everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this week we're doing the last eight episodes of Lovely Horribly. We finished it. It's over. Finally over. <laughs> no, I liked it. Um, there was a lot that happened in these last eight episodes that was a real different vibe from the first eight episodes when we loved it. Yeah, I feel like I just resigned myself to uh, the fact that, like, nothing was going to be even... I resigned myself to the fact that it was just a different K-drama that I was watching in these last episodes. I liked... I actually really appreciated that the last two episodes, aka episode 16, were shot in a very different style. Everything was bright, everyone was wearing different clothes, everything was like, it felt like it was shot like a normal K-drama, whereas all the previous episodes had been shot in more of like a horror thriller style of K-drama, and I thought that was a really cool move to like round it all out. Yeah, it kind of, um, there was a definite gradient to the episodes where they just got more, I don't know, I guess, yeah, it just, it followed a certain pattern. Uh, I don't know. It was a gradient. It was a mood gradient. You said it right the first time, and then I just had to emphasize your point. <laughs> Welcome to we Play really on K. We balance each other out, yin and yang. <laughs> uh, we say the same thing, essentially, because we are the same person. Classic yin, yin and yang. That's, I'm pretty sure, the definition of yin and yang. Yeah. We are just like the uh, main characters in this K-drama. Except we don't talk about how are the main characters in a K-drama all the time? Like, okay, <laughs> hear me out. It's been a minute since I've watched W, but the guy in that is literally a main character of a comic, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he's aware of that, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't talk about being the center of the universe half as much as these two do. Yeah, whoa. These two have a problem? They are probably the two most self-centered people I've ever, ever... Like, they're fictional characters, I do get that, and I have not met them, so I was about to say they're the most selfish people I've ever met. I'll roll that back and just say they're the most selfish people maybe ever created, perhaps. Perhaps. Hopefully it's uh, not true to real life, because I would go crazy if I met these two. Yeah. You know... At first, it was it really detracted from the romance for me that Philip Yu was such a selfish person because I just couldn't handle him. Mm-hmm. And then in these last eight episodes, they tried to tell me that he wasn't selfish anymore, <laughs> which I didn't really buy into that. But that said, it finally added to the romance that um, I guess I don't want to say I gave up on Wilson. But I also thought that she was kind of exhausting by the end of this as well. Oh my god, thank you. (laughs) I loved her so much at the beginning. I thought I could never stop loving her. And she became such a brat. Like, I guess just her sense of humor is to, like, tease Philip. Mostly just that. Like, for some reason, her relationship with 
P.D. Lee is strong, never questioned. It's uh, a great, great friendship that they've got that's constant, and she's a very normal person. And then she runs into Philip, and I don't know what happens. Her confidence goes through the roof. She just... She got a new pair of shoes. She's ready to fuck shit up. What's happening with her? Why is she like this around Philip? Mostly that last scene. Like, it's the final scene of the drama. It's supposed to stick with you, and it's sticking with me for all the wrong reasons, because Philip is like, I am a desperate man. I have one thing left in my life, and it's you, and I'm like, I'm not going to put pressure on you. If you say you don't love me, you are welcome to leave. And she's just, like, smiling and laughing at him, and (laughs) I'm like... Can you take this seriously for a moment, Elsin? Like, this is a declaration of love that every person wants, and it feels like you're taking it as a joke because you have all this power over him. Yeah, it was pretty creepy as far as relationships go. Uh, I guess they really are meant to be together because he is... They're both psychotic. They're both psychotic. they They might both be sociopaths. What's happening? Why did she change like that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, she started this K-drama as one of the more caring characters I've seen. And I guess maybe we were supposed to be convinced that she's the most caring when she was, like, ready to walk away from the relationship because she thought that it was killing everyone around them. We have to talk about that. What was that? That breakup was tiring. It was BS. It was unexpected and unneeded. I think a big thing with it is also that I guess it had no impact for me because they've done that so many times. To me, I was just very much over their this final breakup before they get back together because every time we've recorded an episode, they have had a different breakup where they're like, oh, we can't. So I think the first one was we can't be together uh, because this necklace. I don't know. And yes, then, because how do you remember? I, they've broken yeah. up a thousand times. I have no memory of why. And then I think the second time they broke up was because it was going to kill one of them. And then I think the, no, the second time they broke up, it was because of bad luck or something. I don't know. And then it was going to kill one of them. And then this time around, it was killing other people. And I just, it seemed awfully convenient that there was always a reason to break up. It made me just kind of wish one of them had stuck. I just, yeah, I just haven't dated enough to appreciate a relationship where uh, you're constantly breaking up and getting back together. Maybe if you go through that, you're like, that's fine. That's totally a normal relationship. There's rocky starts, and then there's, I believe our relationship is a murderer. And... (laughs) But also, like, you cannot convince me of that, Raquel. Okay, P.D. Lee, I'm going to say you can take that one. I'm going to say... She lists off all the people that they have affected negatively. The last one is P.D. Lee. And I'm going to say there was a ghost that was actually involved in that one. I will say P.D. Lee has free will, and uh, he didn't have to save them. But he did. The ghost was trying to kill you two, and it almost killed him instead. That feels like a little bit almost your fault. I'm going to let you have that, which is very kind of me. 
because we had a time jump one month later, and it is never brought up again. Also, one month later, her bangs have grown out. Thank you. Where are your bangs? <laughs> I, I've had bangs for a long time, and they grow one centimeter in a month. They look exactly the same. My hair grows very fast. And I can have bangs, and one month later, still very much have bangs. Give me a Hers one year later. Gone. Okay. Yeah, give me a, a one year later. Even I would have accepted, begrudgingly, but accepted six months later. But one month. One, one month. month. You're telling me those bangs were clip-ins the whole time? Come on. Please. Um. What a joke. But yeah, there's not even a single line being like, Hey, P.D. Lee, how are you feeling today? You got any residual headaches? And he's like, no, I haven't had headaches for the last week or so. Like, the doctor said I'm on the up and up and I'm doing a lot better. There is nothing. I don't know. I've kind of, I found that a pretty common theme, though, in these last eight episodes. <laughs> if we're like... If we're doing the air our grievances now thing, and then we can end on a more positive note, because I was really annoyed how many turnarounds every single fucking character had in this show. <laughs> like, literally, all of a sudden, a young man is the sister, the sister, the brother of Ramen, and um, freaking the murderer is, like, not a murderer, and the crazy, obsessive girl is a murderer, and the other murderer is still a murderer, but we thought maybe she wasn't a murderer, and then she was a murderer, actually. And um, who else had a, a quick turnaround? Because it was everyone. The manager <laughs> was just no longer part of the, sh- or not the manager, but like the CEO of the uh, talent agency or whatever. He the- was out, but he was also still there. Like, he was like, like he, if you've got some people to throw my way. I was like, you still have a job? Yeah. Yeah. Did um, you aid and abet a murder? Like, uh, I'm pretty sure that's accomplice. That's the yeah. word I'm looking for. You were an accomplice. accomplice to a murder. But also, a lot of these turnarounds didn't mean anything. Or rather, they had no build-up or precedent. It was just... Oh, you know, it'd be convenient if Young Man played way more of a part in this. Or maybe I was being willfully blind to any character development, but does it feel like there was no character development for especially Young Man? Yeah, it felt like he was definitely just a comic relief. Did a great job at it. I loved him a lot. And then somehow in these last episodes, he started sneaking around, and you're like, what's going on? And then they're like, no, he's like a main character. And then two seconds later, he solves the mystery, and he's like, I don't hate you anymore, Philip You, but I'm not gonna hang out with you, but also I'll be around. That's the end of my show. Yeah, so he can't see him because he hates him, and then he doesn't hate him anymore, but he still doesn't want to be in his life. But then he does still definitely hang out in his life. That's some mixed messages, young man. Commit. Commit to something. That was a wild ride with the young man. Yeah. I, okay. I feel like in our really lovely podcast, we work really hard at staying really positive and never 
directly insulting anyone's talent. I do want to say I was the opposite of convinced with Young Man's performance when he is talking about, I think it's it's that part where he's crying about his sister and then all of a sudden he's not crying anymore and he walks out of the room. Do you remember that part? Is it his big speech with Philip? Yeah, it's the big one. And he's talking about how much he hated him and how hard it was to work for him for the year. And he's crying and everyone's upset. And then he just stops and walks out of the room to, I think, go solve a murder or something. I don't think I watched it closely enough. I didn't notice it. I just... Okay, I'm sorry, actor who plays young man. I think that you're grand and great and very very talented thank you for listening to the podcast um it was not the most convincing performance i think a moment ago i used the opposite of convincing and you know i'll double down opposite of convincing (laughs) oh no sorry yeah i don't know who to blame on that i uh like we said he goes back and forth so much that i don't want to blame the actor i don't want to blame the writers I don't know what goes on in a drama. Yeah, we're not experts. I just, uh, I'm confused. (laughs) Interesting. I really liked our real villain, Yuna. I feel like she was the best pull-through for me in these last four episodes, because she committed to being a villain, Mm -hmm. and I was here for it. She did? She got... One dark ending. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I love action. I have a problem with violence, which they sound like the same thing, but like in the K2, one of our favorite dramas, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of fighting sequences. But in Lovely Horribly, there is a jail cell beatdown of this tiny girl. I don't, yeah, that was a rough ending. But the rest of the story was really cool. I think I was most convinced that she was a villain when she's in her house and she notices someone in the closet. And she, like, pretends to take a phone call and is like, yeah, be there in a minute. And then she starts to leave and I'm like, yes, girl, don't get murdered in your own house. You get out of there right quick. Like, we are all ready for the day that we find someone in our house and we pretend to take a phone call just to get out of the situation so that we are not murdered. You can just be robbed. Don't be murdered. Get out of the house. And then she, like, closes the door, and I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you still in the house? And I remembered, she's the murderer. The other guy (laughs) is the one in trouble. Oh, my God. True villain move right there to be like, I ain't scared of you. I ain't scared of nothing. I've already murdered. Oh, I love it, Yuna. The confidence is through the roof. I just did a come at me motion, and I realized that you can't hear the come (laughs) at me motion. So, sorry. Good podcasting. Come at me. But yeah, that ending was dark. Yeah, um, I think that already prison endings feel a little bit dark in that, I don't know, I guess I just don't know what, like, the prison system is like in Korea, but I know that it that is kind of a common idea that people who go to prison that aren't um tough yeah can get pretty messed up in prison. Which is not to say that Yuna did not deserve it. She definitely deserved to go to prison. I love that there was a half scene with everybody reacting to her 
sentencing where she only got a one-year sentence and everyone's like what that's bs that's too light and then she's like beat to death on the first day you're like oh okay Uh justice well young man got his wish yeah he very much did and we never really see him have to confront that either I don't know. We only see his disappointment in her sentencing. We never really get to see any victory for him. Though if he found victory in her being beat to death in prison, I don't know if he's the young man we know and love. Yeah, he. D- I like that they were pretty true to his character. I don't know. I felt like he was very human. I liked how he was written. Yeah, they were true to his character they created in episode 27. Yeah. Like you said, they decided to make him a real character that had a real role, and they wrote it very well. Before that, he didn't seem like a spy with a grudge, but, you know, that makes him a good spy. That was fine. Either way, I just really liked Yuna at the end there. I didn't like her for the rest of the drama because she was trying to not be a real villain once she showed her true colors. Oh, I was there for it. Yeah, when she committed. I will be forever confused by the villainy that is Ryder Key. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, she committed. She was perfectly happy to play the villain. But also, I don't know. I guess I'm very disused to the amount of turnarounds with the villains. I guess I'm used to watching them have their plots and try and see that through. Whereas... It was interesting to watch her start the show as a villain and then at one point become a victim and then become a villain and then become a worse villain and then become a victim again and then become a villain. Which is hard. It feels like she's more human that way. But also she's just such a bad human that you just want them to stick to having her be a real villain. You can't make me feel bad for her. So when you try and make me feel bad for her, it just makes me hate the show. Yeah, I just get angry because I don't like being told how to feel. Yeah, I'm not going to feel bad for her. She's clearly a villain, but stop making her so pathetic. The uh, scene that they decided to re create or i guess create but it was a flashback scene of the what's his name doug it's not doug don Chol. <laughs> yeah you, you got me um don Chol, when he meets the assistant writer what the hell yeah don't that was a great big bummer that was a, just a great big bummer that was stupid okay I'm not mad at the writers, but that was stupid. Yeah, I think that was the first time anything tugged at my heartstrings, and then as soon as it started tugging at my heartstrings, I got frustrated because it was so out of left field, and so I decided never mind. Yeah, but I think it could have been, I don't know, I don't know how to write anything, but it could have been more fun if, like, that was... Ryder Key's reaction to him and like almost he was like this is my only fan in the world and she's also got this plan for like revenge almost like he's introduced to Ryder Key as his last remaining fan and he's really into the idea of helping her out but also getting his own revenge but instead it was like his last fan on earth is this adorable child and the very first thing that Ryder Key asks him to do is to murder her, and he's like, yeah, I guess I have to. Sounds good. 
Need that money. I cannot believe that any person is broken enough to, I don't know, use, lose their humanity like that, where he had such a connection with the writer that they established in this weird flashback scene that to be like, and then two days later he murdered her. Not because they established a relationship and she rejected him. Not because he snapped. Just because he got like a million dollars for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wasn't convinced. I don't know how murderers' brains work. I just assume if you asked a mercenary to kill someone for money, and then you were like, but it's this person you know and like, they'd be like, then no, like, pick someone else. (laughs) So you're gonna have to give someone else money to do this murder. Yeah, because he's not a mercenary. I guess that's the thing. He had no, like, breaking point. He wasn't murdering other people. It's his very first murder, and it's this person that he knows and likes. Yeah, if he was a stone-cold assassin that killed on a dime and cared for no one, that would be one thing. But, yeah, first-time killer, and then clearly has enough humanity to regret murdering her later. So, I don't know. I guess I just don't see the pattern of behavior I am an expert in criminal behaviorism, and I don't see it. I don't don't see see it. it. I'm not convinced. I've watched a lot of Criminal Minds. I've watched (laughs) a lot of NCIS. I've heard a lot of podcasts that are uh, true crime podcasts, and uh, I've listened to Serial, so... I listen to Serial both seasons. I don't know if there's a third season. That would be so awkward. I think there might be now, but I honestly also don't know, so I'm with you. One of us is wrong. We gave up on that. Okay, the first season of Serial was the best. I think we can all agree on that. It was groundbreaking. Epic. We all listened to it, and we are all not convinced Dong Chol is a killer. (laughs) Okay, writers, so if you could just go and listen to Serial, it's a great little podcast. Yeah, and then you come back to me and you write a real murderer. Okay. Or... You write a flashback scene that involves him murdering for his fan, not murdering his only fan. What is that? That, uh, what a mess. Um, another person who has both a lot and a little going on in these episodes is P.D. Lee. Yeah, P.D. Lee goes through a lot. Yeah, he's got a lot going on in his heart, but on the outside, I feel like he doesn't too much. Mm -mm. You know what my favorite part about P.D. Lee is? His hips are so tiny. Is it not that? (laughs) That's a very good favorite part. It's in the spirit of that. I like that you can tell how the actor's ears are pierced, but P.D. Lee doesn't wear earrings. (laughs) I noticed that as well. That's so silly. (laughs) He would look good with earrings, though. I feel like with his pirate outfits, he could wear any earrings, and they would look super dope. Yeah. It would actually look really good, because as is, I feel like he kind of was on a downhill slide to Nerd Ward. That's fair. He still looked really good. He always looked great. But the more we watched him and the more we learned about him being just the, I guess, little boy that held a flame for Wolsoon for so many years, the more I just saw him as just like a kid, like a nerd lord kid that just ran around in it with his bowl cut and <laughs> cheesy grin. And the first 
episodes, they established him as being, I guess, this awesome producer and this working man and someone who will go above and beyond for anyone. He's, like, well-established in his industry, but then they also add in, like, the medium aspect, and he's kind of cool, like, going around solving mysteries, talking to ghosts. Let's take that get all you a man that Yeah, get you a man that can do both. Get you a nerd lord that is also a competent producer, I guess. I guess. I mean, there is an appeal to that. I will give them that, but there is not an appeal to the little kid that's still a little kid holding a flame for someone who's clearly not interested in him. Yeah, his he gave a speech at one point. It was like he walked Olsen home or something, and he's like, what if you just noticed that I was here the whole time? What if you finally saw me as a man and... Uh, it just is kind of pathetic. It was not the touching little... speech that I thought it would be. Yeah, I will say, though, that I appreciate it, because I do feel that a lot of times when we get these love triangle plot lines, that it's often some wamby person that refuses to ever own up to their feelings, and I could really appreciate that he decided to just dig his heels in, do the thing, and own up to the fact that he had a lot of feelings that for her and it, that felt good that i think that was liberating for me and him because he seemed to kind of be able to move past it shortly after that that's fair it i guess the point that has stuck with me like talking about it and realizing it the point this has ruined it for me was it felt like Olsun didn't really react and he didn't seem to expect an answer from her but she just kind of nodded and went to bed and I was like oh so that's like he gives his speech and then you're like I'll consider it thank you but really we all know you're not going to consider it we know you'll never be in love with him feels just kind of sad and unnecessary that he said a speech then I just wanted more of a reaction from her I think maybe some fake shock if we could all pretend to be shocked by this that'd be cool (laughs) just give him that give him something did you feel confused about who what role ghosts played in this k-drama by the end of it I was confused about the mom. I felt like Ramen was solid. She was she was okay by me, and I liked her. Yeah. Uh, we went back and forth on like how we felt about her, but I feel like they explained it really well at the end what she was about. Yeah, why she was back as a ghost, what she wanted, why she wanted everyone dead, not just the people that hurt her. Yeah, and mostly why she wanted Philip dead. I feel like that was a question for me. Didn't mm-hmm. she love him? And is it just as simple as she doesn't want him to fall in love again? No, no, no. She got her reasons. The mom, I assume, was the good ghost that was just trying to block Raman's wrongdoings from coming to light. I feel feel like if we went back and watched this show again, it would not come together as cleanly as I wish it would. But, you know, that's the problem with having seven different villains. They all have different motivations. So every and time we've got to wrap about, up all of those. Yeah. When we go back and watch and we see that scene where Philip's announcing his engagement to Yuna and there's a shooter in the audience and someone tells Olsun about the shooter in the audience and she's like, I gotta change the current. My life is a K-drama. Uh, what is that mess? I don't think it will ever make sense. Yeah, I thought I had hopes that maybe by the end of everything we could go back and be like, oh, there's a lot of explaining they did about how the paranormal aspects of this show worked. No, there's still a lot of things that felt like convenient plot points 
that will forever remain loose ends than actual um, relevant paranormal activity. But I'm going to say I'm into it. I'm not going to hold it against them that this show is just buck wild and uh, fun. Because it was a fun yeah. ride. We had a good time. You just can't think too deeply about it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I definitely want to touch on is how creepy I constantly found it when the two main characters that loved each other very much and wanted to have a romantic relationship together referred to the mom as <gasps> our mom. Ew, thank you! Even, oh my god, <laughs> there's a scene, I wrote it down, where Olsen goes to talk to Kiyun Young, and Kiyun Young is in the hospital. She's unconscious, so like it doesn't really matter, but she is talking about her mom and she's like, our mom. And I'm like, uh, when you two talk to each other, it's creepy that you say our mom, but it's understandable. When you're talking to a third person, do not ever say our mom when referring to you and your boyfriend's mom. I will throw up. Hyun <laughs> Young is vomiting right now in her sleep. Oh my Rightfully God. so. That is disgusting. Our mom. Our mom. You killed our mom. I think you have to give up on her being your mom once you find out it's your boyfriend's actual mom. Yeah, you can still be like, wow, I really love Oki. I know there's like, I think there's a word for like other people's mom that you kind of refer, like P.D. Lee calls Olsun's mom like Amuni, I think. Mm. I think that's the word for like, you're kind of my mom. Almost like Like mother-in-law. Yeah. Please start referring to her as that. I know she was like your quote-unquote real mom from when you were 15, but, uh... Time to let that one go. It's time to let that one go. Please, it's Philip's mom now. He won this battle. Please (laughs) give up. Oh, I hate it. What? Okay, I actually do need something explained to me. Oh, no. What exactly was the ritual that was not done? Was it... For uh, Ulsun? Was it against Ulsun? Do you know? Do you understand that part? So from what I understand, she was paid to do a ceremony that would bring Ulsun's family luck. Because her dad was greedy, he wanted more luck than he already had. So it was supposed to bring them money, prosperity, luck. She instead starts doing a ceremony that will give Olsun's luck to her son, Olchuk, a.k.a. Philip Yu. And then she stops doing any and all ceremonies, and nothing happens, a.k.a. the luck is switched by the necklace, not the ceremony. That's the impression I got. Okay, okay. I guess that makes sense. I just couldn't tell what she was doing or why she was crying, if she was not doing the ceremony for them, if she was doing her own ceremony, if she wasn't was doing the ceremony for them, but then couldn't go through with that one. It was a lot to try and pin down exactly which ceremony was happening and then not happening. Yeah, it was a lot, but none of it happened, so I don't think they spent too much time explaining it. Yeah, even though it seemed to make a pretty huge difference for the main characters and their willingness to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, also regarding their relationship, can you explain to me why she lies to him so much? Why does Olsun just constantly lie to Philip? I don't know. Maybe she feels like it will make him a happier person? Mm, that seems pretty messed up. 
Wow, what a relationship. Is she trying to protect him? I think she's trying to protect him. And she's trying to make him happy by giving him what he wants. And he's a dumb baby child that believes things, usually. And then sometimes he sees through it and then he throws dumb baby child fits. And instead of confronting the root of the problem, that she's lying a lot, he just kind of tells her he doesn't care. I don't know. Their relationship is a lot to sort through. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. I will say that there was one particularly romantic part that I thought was kind of sweet, but also says a lot about where they were at in their relationship when he's talking about how she seemed to think that he was being forced to be with her. And he says, it's interesting because I feel like at every moment I had to, it was a test to prove that I loved you. It never felt like I had to love you. And I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah. A little fucked up, but kind of (laughs) nice. And like true to who Philip was at the beginning of the drama, I'm glad they weren't like, and we just forgot that he uh, really was not attracted to her in any way, shape, or form for a long time. So Mm -hmm. like, it is kind of a miracle that he fell in love with her. And we're not going to forget that just because they're so in love now that it's hard to imagine. I'm glad. That's fair. That was cute. They they have a lot of cute stuff going for them. Like, I feel like the whole faded to work against each other thing does really work in their favor sometimes, where it's just... It can get super romantic of them being like, we're going to ignore fate, we're going to ignore luck, it's just going to be the two of us, love against all. It's like a classic, lovely trope that could work really well. So if you could just stop having her sneak out of the house and uh, go hang out with P.D. Lee, and then come back and lie about it, wearing P.D. Lee's shoes, that would be great, because that makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a lot. And also, just the fact that she feels like she has to is super sad as well. It's one thing to lie. It's another thing to be trying to do the right thing and still feel like you have to lie. Like, are you okay? Yeah. Blink twice if you need help. Because <laughs> it's hard. I feel like you're supposed to like Philip enough at that point in the drama that I'm kind of disappointed in her for being like, he would never let me go see my best friend in the hospital. That is dark, girl. I know he cares about you guys more than anyone else, and he doesn't want you guys to get in a car accident, so he maybe doesn't want you to leave the house. But that's not a way to live. You guys got to talk this out and do stuff together. I was really frustrated by that. Please stop making them fated to be together and really romantic, but also just as people, frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. What were our favorite parts? (laughs) We gotta get into the good stuff at some point. Yuna, she's my favorite. She was a really good villain. Um... Can I say something I just thought of? (laughs) I loved okay it felt true to the mom's character that she raises philip i don't really know what happens with why she leaves philip i thought that was uh stupid um but then she raises ulsoon that's very nice and then in the afterlife she's a mom to ramen that is heartwarming i teared up when she was like Ramen, I'm so sorry I couldn't save your life. My sweet baby child that I just adopted after we died. Oh my god, I started, oh, 
It was really beautiful. Trying to save another baby in a fire. She's like, I've already saved my two babies. I'm going to save this third one. I can't leave a baby behind. Can't leave a baby behind. And then she stays in the afterlife just to make sure that Raman gets to go peacefully and not not continue a path of destruction because it wasn't her and she needed to move on. And that was really beautiful. Yeah, this sweet, sweet mama was like, obviously her intentions were not as pure as just helping Raman, but I like that she was like, I'm not going to let you destroy Philip and Olsun's life because I think you'll regret it in your ghosty life. I want you to find healing, sort of like, you do something bad to them, I'll help them fix it and avoid your uh, your problems until we can... We can find your place of healing and move to the afterlife. That's a good, good mama. Yeah. Yeah, I actually ended up, I did really like the mom character by the end, even though she was extremely confusing for the entirety of the K-drama, which we can definitely get into in our bonus episode. Um, Overall, I think that she was probably one of my favorite parts because she was very good and trying her best. So a lot of the things she did were not very good, but she overall was a good character and a good influence and just wanted to make her baby's lives better. And yeah, thanks, Mom. We love the moms. We love moms. I'm glad her real mom also came back at the end. Like, it was unnecessary that they show her mom back in her life. But I like to think that her mom stopped lying to Olsun and was like... I'm broke. I want to have a better relationship with you. And not just for financial reasons, which is probably, you know, most of it. But hopefully they can have a good relationship anyways. Just for the sake of good mom relationships. Live in their nice fiction with each other in that big, nice house that can fit probably about the same amount of people as the smaller house, but it's much nicer. It's a nice house, and somehow Olsun didn't recognize it as her own. That is still... (laughs) Oh, we're not on bad stuff anymore, but dear God, Olsun, did you have a cerebral hemorrhaging when you were a child? Just like P.D. Lee, because you guys are faded. When you get sick, you can't remember literally any details of your life as a child, so... Yeah, I was nine when I moved out of San Diego, and I'm pretty sure... Like, I remember literally my address, so I could find the house very (laughs) easily. And then I'm pretty sure I would recognize it, even if it was remodeled a bit. Y'all. Y'all. Children are magical creatures. Magical, forgetful creatures that... I don't know can be repurposed in any work of fiction to actually be (laughs) complete idiots. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. P.D. Lee remembers literally every moment of his childhood, so that's fascinating. Yeah, and every moment of Ulsun's childhood for her. No worries, Ulsun. P.D. Lee got you. (laughs) Don't remember what your house looks like? He'll tell you. It's this one. You're in it. You're in it. I put you in it. I found it for you. Did I do good? Did I do good? Did I get a head pat? Oh, it's okay. She'd rather die with Philip than live with P.T. Lee. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Um, this is stupid. I wrote in my notes that Pufferfish is super poisonous. There's one scene where the director says he ordered Pufferfish at a restaurant, but he's like, I've been cursed lately, I've been having bad luck, so I did not eat that Pufferfish. And they're like, what? It's not even dangerous. It's super dangerous, y'all. Don't order Pufferfish. 
Just a PSA from your friends at Play on K. <laughs> Don't eat the pufferfish. I know literally nothing about pufferfish, but I believe you. It's called fugu. Don't eat it. It's bad for you. It's like, you know, that one in a hundred chance that the chef did not prepare it properly and the poison is still in it. Yikes. So, yeah, it's like a lot of people eat it and they're fine, but I don't know. I'm just not a risk taker, I guess. Yeah. Not going to go jumping out of an airplane with a parachute and not going to go eating poisonous puffer fish. Is it because ghosts have been following you around? Do you think you're cursed? I think I'm cursed. I mean, my mom's a medium and she told me there's a ghost following me around, but it's like a good ghost, so. We need to talk about that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't know if she still is. It was a few years ago. But it was my Nana, so I think it's fine. That's really nice. I was going to ask if you knew the ghost, um, and I was going to make a lot of inappropriate jokes about whether or not that ghost was your crazy ex-girlfriend, but it (laughs) sounds like it's your Nana, so... It was better than those jokes. (laughs) She uh, had the opportunity. She did not take it. She has no regrets. Nope. Because she just found out it was my grandma, so... (laughs) Thank goodness. I uh, actually think that's really, really nice. It is. I think so, too. Spooky. I try not to think about it. (laughs) I don't think I told Jason. He does not like ghosts. He's very, very scared. He would not sleep well for a while. Good thing you're in your new soundproof studio, so he can't hear anything (laughs) you're saying right now. Can't hear anything, because I hung up blankets. It's super windy today, so my whole house is rattling. So, yeah. Jason cannot hear through these sheets. <laughs> um, one last thing on the topic of psychic moms. One time your sister let me know that your mom told her about one of her past lives. And I've literally yeah. been fascinated with it ever since. I've been meaning to ask your mom about if she knows about past lives. I think it was a, like one of her psychic friends, actually, that yeah. told Annie about the past life. But, um, yeah, I've been meaning to ask your mom for years if if there's... I don't what, think she knows about past lives. Not as much past lives as, as ghosts. Yeah, mostly ghosts and energy readings. Fair. Uh, but, yeah, she she knows a lady. I think she still lives in Cedar. So we could we could make that our Christmas gift to each other, <gasps> going to get our past lives read. Whoa, that would be pretty cool. Stay tuned, Play on K listeners. Next Halloween, we'll tell you about our past lives. Spoopy. <laughs> this is exciting. Let's go get scared on Christmas. I can't wait. This is about. If it's good enough for Ebenezer Scrooge, it's good enough for us. Ghosts. Ghost Christmas. Hashtag Play on K. Hashtag Ghost Christmas. <laughs> that where we end with the hashtags? I think it's yeah. that's all we... Oh, oh. Raquel, I've been using Twitter so much. I just wanted to say I'm proud of myself because I finally like Twitter. And I finally found out how to read comments on Twitter. It's been two years. <laughs> and I finally Googled how do you find people's comments on Twitter because it's not what you think it is. You don't press the comment button. It's not meant for old people. Uh-huh. Jason said we're going to be lost in a few years we're gonna be too old for technology we've got to stay hip and young as cool podcasters yeah do you think do you think podcasts will still be important by the time we're old and don't know how to use technology i think so i mean radio shows were really popular like a hundred freaking years ago 
I don't know if that's true. But I think so. I yeah, I mean I feel like that's pretty close. The twenties. That's basically what what podcasts are. So if they've prevailed this long, I feel like the format may change, but people like storytelling. People like connecting with strangers. We pretend we don't, but... Can't wait to hear from all of our listeners on Twitter in a hundred years. I mean, I posted a thing and we got two likes on it, so I'm pretty sure we're popular. Was one of them from my roommate? (laughs) No, they were from both from strangers, Raquel. Both from fans. Are y'all listeners? Do you guys listen to us? Tweet at us if you do. Our handle is at playonk. At playonk. Come see us, come say hi. I'll respond. I don't know if Raquel will ever get into Twitter. Yeah, right now you can. You heard it here first. If you get a response on Twitter, it was probably Emily. But I'm going to try in the future so that you'll never really know. <laughs> we'll switch it up. We'll mess with you. If it's funny, it's Raquel. If it has a lot of emojis, it's probably me. I think emojis are funny. They constitute 90% of my humor, which is why this podcast is the way it is. <laughs> can't see all my emojis on my face. Emotions? Emojis. emojis. <laughs> I'm in Japan, I can use emojis. Oh, it's very good. Is it silly that I never knew emojis was a Japanese word? Oh, I didn't know either, so... Thank you! Okay, I told Jason that, and he's like, uh, yeah, I mean, he's not that conceited, but he's just like, yeah, I knew that. I thought it was, like, just a silly word that was short for emotions. No. Emoji. E is, like, pictures. And then emoji is like characters. Picture characters, emojis. <gasps> I do really love hearing about the etymology of words, too. Here we are. Actually, that is a very cool fact. Right at the tail end, after the Twitter handle, we're going to hit you with some fun facts every week. Yes. I'm sure I'll come up with a fun fact next week. <laughs> One of us will, it. for sure. <laughs> In the meantime, until next week, you can also email us and request a new drama because this one's over. We've still got our bonus episode next week, and then we are starting on a new K-drama. You can request one. We may or may not do it this time around just based on how soon you request it. But if you request it sooner rather than later, then we will absolutely watch it. Uh, you can do so on our website. Nope. I mean, yeah, you can do it there, too, but I was going to do email, playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Or playonk.com. That's our website where you can find all of our past episodes. Leave a comment, sign up for the newsletter to be alerted whenever we start a new drama, and leave comments directly on the episodes. Yeah! You can rate and review us on iTunes, and we would love you forever, and if you leave a little review... Well, little five-star review, we will absolutely say your name on the podcast. We will absolutely do that for you and say hi and love you forever. We will. We need it. We need all the support we can get. Guys, we're just out here looking for good, good friendships. Yep. If you want to be that friend, if you want to be on our podcast, if you want to be on our <laughs> podcast, if you want to take my spot as Raquel's co-host, and then just let us know. The next person can also take my spot, and it'll just be a rotating circle of new podcast <laughs> hosts all the time. Then just let us know on Twitter or on iTunes, wherever you prefer. <laughs> um, we will see you next week for the bonus episode of Lovely Horribly. Thank you, as always, to James Hevel for our theme song. Thanks, James. We love it and we love you. And thank you all for listening. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.